As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that vocal shouting, it's Dainer Dave Ninemitz. It's Dainer Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Rowan Paulinger Jr., Dave Ninemitz of The Athletic, with you on a chilly Tuesday. It's There's no way around it. It's just ridiculously cold. Like I don't want to try to come up with a good adjective for it. <laughs> like It's just look outside. Okay, go yeah. outside. You don't need, we shouldn't even be talking about it. That's how cold it is at least it's not super windy right now although i'm i get angry about wind chill factor you can't just make up a new temperature that it feels like and where did the heat index go at this time of year doesn't that bring it back up at all i don't i don't like all that you don't like just random making it up as if we're not already kind of making it up when we're projecting but yeah i I get it (laughs) i get don't don't tell me how i feel okay yeah i hear you um or hey look or you could have been watching or the Bills Steelers oh. game and just laying on a bank of snow with a cord <laughs> light. Those dudes, let's go. All right. Let's have a day. That's I mean, dedication. The, the, yeah. When, when you had the fans who are just having to push their way to their seats <laughs> through, how did they not have a Buffalo Bills mini snow shovel giveaway that day where every fan just gets a little shovel to shovel their way through? Yeah, it looked like it was like the whole effort to get the community to come shovel it. It was so late in the game. It was like 30% time. <laughs> just like, big yeah, we're just not going to do it. Snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all that's going on. Of course, the Bengals uh, did not participate in it. But Dave, we will have some Bengals thoughts from mm-hmm. this week. And I think there was actually, I think there's a lot of Bengals lens takeaways from this weekend um and so we're, we're going to kind of dive into a few of those we'll do so with mo egger here in a little bit um and we're dane brugler has mock draft two rounds we're already into two round mock draft season um and so i'm going to touch a little bit on dane's pick just kind of a brief lay of the land uh, on on some of what he's projecting put out there that some themes that I think are interesting to to touch on. Uh, so we'll get into some of that stuff. We'll have some some Arby's and talk a little bit more about next round of the playoffs. But I, I, let's let's kind of dive in here um, with news. Really, the news right now um, is you know players picking their location, Cancun. Bora Bora, mm-hmm. Bali, <laughs> Miami, where are you going to go, right? That's that's the player news. Uh, it's coaching news right now. Uh, and for the Bengals, that's Brian Callahan, who is a hot commodity right now as far as getting interviews. He has four, couple done already. Atlanta, Carolina, L.A. Chargers, Tennessee. Um, he's in the mix there. Now, a lot of people are in the mix. I mean, that's the thing with these rounds of interviews. I mean, 
when you, when they just do zoom, I mean, they can just paint a big, broad brush across any candidate. Were you an offensive coordinator on a team that's had success in the last two to three <laughs> years? We'd love to talk to you. Um, I, so there is a lot of that. It'll be more real once they whittle it down a little bit here. Um, but there's a lot of jobs open. There might be more with the weekend for the Eagles and the Cowboys in particular, putting Nick Sirianni and Mike McCarthy onto some hot little seats there. And I, I, so we'll see. We, I mean, this could be a lot of jobs open. Yeah. By the way, are there any more awkward, awkward situations than when you're like Dan Quinn or Brian Johnson? Mm. Or wait, who's the, is Brian Johnson the Eagles OC? I'm, I'm confusing with Ben yeah. Johnson, who's the Detroit OC. No, well, yeah, like, he's, he's feeling all right. Yeah. I think he's going to be way up there at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> you go and get the doors blown off if you're Dan Quinn, and then you got to turn around and do it. Interview but after that, hey, look brutal. at Jonathan Gannon in the Super Bowl last True. year for the Eagles. Ends up True. still getting that Arizona job, despite you know what happens there. So I, I don't think it crushes you. I mean, Dan Quinn goes so far back with Seattle, and I don't, you know, we'll we'll see how that all shakes out. I don't want to dive too much into those. They're they're early stages there, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you'd like to leave a better feeling uh, <laughs> as as the last impression, but. Yeah. Uh, well, so I don't know. Bill Belichick has has interviewed in in Atlanta now. I, I you know, you got to think if if Jer Jer decides <laughs> that he's going to move on from McCarthy, you have to feel like he would have his eyes. He'd be flirting a little bit with Bill Belichick to pull a Parcells, you know, bring in <laughs> bring in the hoodie there. To I mean, it only makes sense. A team that just can't seem to win a playoff game. Give Bill Belichick a quarterback and and watch him do what he can do. Like go win me some playoff games. Yeah, um, I mean they, that's perfect drama right there to put those. Two. I mean it's like a an HBO uh, drama or something would have that written into the script. Is Belichick to go join up with Jerry Jones? That'd be amazing. Uh, that's Max beyond Max. <laughs> that's right. You're right. You're right. I apologize. Gotta get my apps right. Uh, so we'll go. So there's a lot out there. My point. Uh, Washington hired Adam Peters as their general manager. Again, this is a one to watch with Brian Callahan. Uh, has connections there. Uh, go. They go back. I mean, they go all the way back to UCLA. Uh, they were both at Denver at the same time. Um, so keep an eye on Brian Callahan as the Washington job starts to circulate now with their GM in place and a desirable job with Dan Snyder booted. So um, again, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that, but this for, for whether or not people, a lot of people, you think Brian's going to get a head coaching job? Well, he's certainly going to interview well because, you know, you know, if you've heard him, that's the case, but um, there's just a lot of people out there. And, (laughs) and until we get through to that wave of, who's going in for in-person interviews it's i think it's really hard to even get a gauge of how serious um he could be as a candidate for some of these places so um we'll, we'll kind of wait we're still we're still got some time until until that happens the fact that his name's been out there that much though you know would indicate to me that you know he's getting serious consideration are you surprised in this offseason that he's getting this much attention. I know last year it was a lot of Lou Anarumo. Um, Brian Callen got some look last year, but it seems like he's a little more at the forefront. Do you think, is that surprising to you? And do you think how much of that has to do with making things work once Jake Browning was the quarterback? Well, I think that's part of it. Um, but I I just think he fits what people want. You know, yeah. <laughs> like he just, he's been part of this for a while now you've seen runs of success that have featured you know the keywords of culture and 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 evolution and playoff success and i think he has proven it's been about more than joe burrow and i just i just think people now are much more aware of what his role has been here as yeah. far as being a real you know one two punch with zach taylor this entire time his history with quarterbacks 
um and in building things around them i just I, and and who knows like i if if he would be bringing his dad with him as an offensive line coach you have yeah. a hell of a one two combo if you could pull that off to have a quarterback guy and an offensive line guy and and then go draft draft a quarterback and and let him take let them take the reins from there so um i just think people realize what you know his role is and what what he can be and how he can fit a little bit more than maybe they did before. Maybe there was some more skepticism or they cared too much about the play calling stuff and yeah. things like that. Or word gets out that you interview well and people want to talk to you and hear what the what the buzz is about with that too. Yeah. I think that's been part of the last couple of years with him. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. Um Willie Anderson Hall vote coming soon. Uh so we'll we'll see how far he goes, but that's gonna be of course, they always end up announcing that at the Super Bowl, but that vote is upcoming. They'll be meeting and, and talking about that, and we'll see where that lands. But Willie has a, a, a you know as good a chance as he could because this is not the strongest of Hall classes, and he's been around a couple of years now. So maybe he gets in. Maybe he just makes it to the top ten for the first time in that final cut. But this could be the year for Willie, and and we'll see if he gets in, and and uh, just keep an eye out for that as they get closer um, on that one with news. Uh, I mentioned Dane Brugler has a mock draft out for the Bengals, picking at eighteen. He has them taking massive raw tackle Amarius Mims of Georgia, um, six seven three thirty. Uh, that's Dane Brugler knowing what he's talking about. That's that, that's the type of dude they want. Yeah, big, strong, anchored dude. Like that's <laughs> they don't they don't want the the fast, quick side. They want. Are you huge? <laughs> <laughs> then then the Bengals have interest um, in round two. Has them double dipping into Georgia, which they've had some success down there before. Maybe they would do that again. Sure. And taking wide receiver Lad McConkey. Uh, so we've got you know we have a bunch of football families on the Bengals coaching staff. Maybe they they go in with another football family with Lad McConkey, um, and he would make a lot of sense inside outside guy could potentially be your next Tyler Boyd, uh, depending on how they wanted to deploy or view him. Uh, uh, um, that makes sense. Is that makes a lot of sense to me? I mean that that yeah. type that type of a pick makes a ton of sense. But the one observation for me, Dave, on Dane's mock draft here between picks seven and twenty-seven, he has eight offensive tackles. Wow. Now that's we've heard this. This is a great year. They need one. There's a bunch of different types. There's not, you know, clear top one, two, three, whatever. There's going to be a lot of pick your pony. And the Bengals, I think, are picking a pony that's different than a lot of other teams are picking. And I know you're listening to this and you're saying maybe they should start picking the other team's ponies because their ponies don't seem to be doing so well when they draft. They're bad ponies. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if you're they know what they're looking for specifically and that giant powerful potentially right tackle I mean there's options that could be there um you know Mims is the name that they have here but there's others the point is with there being that many and them maybe having a a type that's in the minority compared to what a lot of other teams may be valuing could play into their hands if that's a direction that they did want to go uh, at 18 of feeling that they really got somebody who was much, you know, very high on their board, but that certainly with a actual round one grade and potentially a top 10 on their board type of guy um, at, at 18. Yeah. Um, I've always just been of the thought you can't go wrong beefing your offensive line. Now, granted you get misses just like you do at any other position, but if you're telling me a mauler from Georgia and this team's, you know, won two national championships and could have come close to another if they had just beaten Alabama, I, I feel like that's one of those that feels kind of can't miss to me. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, you've seen it before where guys go high that you think are can't miss. Cause I kind of feel like a lot of these offensive linemen are kind of can't like Joe Alt from Notre Dame feels like he's can't miss to me, but do you get Quentin Nelson or do you get Mike McGlinchey when you take him? You know, it's, it's, it's hard, but it just seems like if Mims fits that profile of what the Bengals like, you would like to think they can make it work with him, but you know, I think your question is, can you go another route there, find another way to plug that spot in and then get something different out of that spot? And and again, I mean, there's a, a bunch of other guys. I mean, you can look at someone like <laughs> J.C. Latham from yeah. Alabama, who, again, just these massive dudes that played at SEC programs and got in there, mix it up. I mean... Probably eat glass. Probably eat you got to feel like he's had some glass. I mean, <laughs> is it six six three sixty? What are we doing? What are these? Where are they growing mm. these people? Mm. Oh gosh, uh, just makes me <laughs> uh, uh, get in there. I mean, it's so anyway. And you don't, you don't know. Maybe he's a guy that fall is sitting there at eighteen. You, we see this every year. And I went back and looked at Dane from last year. His this this 2.0 this one and there's a lot of i mean he's obviously in the ballpark on so many of these picks and where they land but i mean you know there's a bunch of guys from last year who were he had at this point mocked in the 7 to 12 range who went in the 20s or vice versa like there's a long way to go here so you know, there's no name if there's somebody you like you've been studying you've been grinding the tape <laughs> and really feel like you know what you want, then then uh, you know just because Dane has them going to the top ten doesn't mean they wouldn't be there at eighteen. We see eighteen's a, a an interesting spot. Yeah, I do feel like it's right there where you get some of these where everybody says, "Why is that guy falling?" Yeah, next thing you know, some you, you feel like you really fell into something good, um, and so potentially, potentially that could be it, and maybe it's a Marius Mims, maybe that's. Maybe that's who it it's, ends up. It's also a scary spot, too, because then you start looking at those dudes with second-round grades, mm-hmm. but you really like them. So you're kind of tempted. You look at that. I think of the Patriots, which they made a lot of stupid picks over the last year, but when they took Cole Strange when they did. Like, they really wanted him, so it was a stretch to take Cole Strange when they did. So I think it gets a little tricky because you start peeking into that second round and there's dudes that you're like, if we don't take them now, we're not going to get them. So are we going to stretch right here? That's why I think you go for the surest thing you can get there. But we know the Bengals aren't likely to wheel and deal and move up or down. So not in round one as much. Certainly yeah. not. Maybe back. Yeah. Um, you could see happening. But I, I, I doubt it. Again, now, strategically, and something that we kind of touched on a little bit last week. We touched on a lot, so excuse me if I'm repeating myself. <laughs> it's a long episode. Apologize. Thanks, thanks to those of you that that like really grinded it through the whole hour and forty <laughs> minutes. Um, but I, I just their track record. I just I like that they have recently kind of known who they are. We yeah. don't draft these guys well, so pay guys that are a little more proven. There's just so much history of them not having any pick outside of really maybe Cordell Volson now as he starts to come around a little bit. But even he, it's been a rocky path. Yeah. Just no real true success stories at offensive line for a decade. And it's just over and over and over again. And so, so what? Pay Orlando Brown, pay Ted Karras, pay Alex Kappa, like go pay. So maybe that, maybe that should continue to be their strategy. For me, I look at a guy and say, you know what? Tyron Smith for a year. I know he's mm. older. I know he's got injury history. Wanna mm-hmm. try to wanna try to win a chip, as the kids say. Do they even <laughs> say that anymore? You want to I hope not. You want to chase a ring? You want to come play right tackle? Frank Pollock knows you. You know what you're getting into with Frank Pollock uh from those days. Really like the better of the Lel Collins conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to come do something like that, right? play right side, whatever, like, come on, do something like that or co- sign somebody at to play right tackle. Even if it's a temporary fix and you're drafting for the future, that's fine. I prefer that 
to trying to plug in a rookie, even if it's the 18th overall pick in a deep offensive tackle draft and you really like him, especially if you're talking about a guy like Mims, who only has eight starts and is a developmental guy. I yeah. I certainly I just I would prefer them to go that way and then draft one of the, you know, that's a very small class of top defensive tackles. We know we've talked about that. Byron Murphy, oh. Newton. I mean, these guys that are there in that range stand out more to me than the idea of you're going to put a, you're going to draft another rookie tackle. You're going to put him in there in a season that you feel like you can go win it all. You're going to have some rookie right tackle and live with that. I don't like that as much. Um, Well, and Murphy is a great example of, you know, Mo talked last week about he'd like to see difference makers on defense. Um, There you go. Having, having watched some Texas this year, Mm Mm-hmm. Byron Murphy screams kind of that Christian Wilkins, Quinn and Williams type defensive tackle that is just, just wrecking games for other teams. They were even using him at fullback. He was scoring yeah. William Perry like touchdowns this year. Um, I can definitely see that guy as a difference maker right out of the package, as opposed to, like you say, a raw offensive lineman that you're going to have to work with. And, can they afford this year to have another Miles Murphy situation where it's kind of a ease a guy along? It feels like they could really use somebody that you can plug and play. And it seems like a, a guy like Murphy would be more of a guy you can plug right in there and he's going to make a difference. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, you're talking about, you still have BJ Hill. So you're in your inner rotation. You're giving yeah. him a chance to, to, to come. He's not asked to come in and be, right. you know, 75% of the snaps right away but you by the time you get to this time of year you think that you've got something that could could be dominant and could certainly be your future and maybe have your game wrecking tackle I I love if I'm you know, again the coaches tell us this all the time is that these boards that you see this time of year you just can't really take them because the coaches aren't even involved yet yeah um and so the, once the coaches get involved, a lot of the opinions when you when you merge the personnel staff and the coaching staff and get everybody in the interviews, it, it, it spits out something different. Okay, and so they're they're just kind of getting the lay of the land. I feel a little bit like that as well. I'm not in the draft thing all year long, like some of you guys are, or like Dane is, and these people that are familiar with it. I'm just diving into it now. But on its face, knowing a little bit of what I know and just whether it's talking to personnel people or or just a, from this, uh, he's the dream for me. Yeah. Like like the the most game wrecking three tech in this draft yeah. that has, you know, the win percentage that is far beyond anybody else and 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 has played real dudes and mm-hmm. has proven it on teams that have won. He's done all that stuff, and I don't. I don't know the details of the rest. Okay, yeah. But but to me, that's kind of like the best case scenario for the Bengals, and is to to address right tackle and free agency, and have somebody like specifically like Murphy sitting there at eighteen, and then you're like check, check, really yeah. big in, in in those spots where you're you're really needing to to focus. Um, on that note, I want to start, we want to do weekend takeaways from the playoffs this weekend. This is kind of a connection between the two. And that is, I don't know what you, what you thought, but, but I can't help watching these games and just say, look at all these rookie wide receivers and tight ends making huge plays. Yeah. I mean, continue to invest that way. Continue to cycle through. Don't be afraid count on a large role for rookie tight ends or receivers, or in the very least leaving that path open because you talk about Laporta, Kincaid, Kraft, Musgrave, all of them out there making plays. Puka Nakua, Rasheed Rice, Wicks from Green Bay, rookie, 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 all of them out here making plays this weekend. And you know that it's just that, I mean, I hate to say it's just that easy, but you don't have to use high draft capital. 
13 rookies this year had at least 500 receiving yards, Dave. Yeah. In that group, how many were first rounders, do you think, of the 13? Three. Four. Oh. Three in round two, three on in round three, and three on day three. Wow. We we've sort of documented this, you know, when we do positional previews for, for the draft over and over. This is just a consistent thing. It they come from everywhere. They come from anywhere. Nakua being the perfect example. Green Bay is six receivers that are all first or second round right now, and they're Mm -hmm. all contributing. You know, Dontavian Wicks contributed. Romeo Dobbs is only second year, and he feels like he's the elder statesman of that crew. He had a monster game. Jaden Reed's been great all year. Um, And they have no divas right now because nobody's a five-year veteran who's made a couple Pro Bowls. yeah, they're out there, and and Puka, that he's kind of a revelation, but good God. Yeah, you can't. You're not going to expect to get Puka Nakua in round five. Although some would argue the Bengals may have it in Andre Yoshivash. Well, Kansas City, conversely, if we're telling the cautionary tale, while Rushy Rice has been good, they've had a lot of duds too. So there's Sky yeah. Moore's out there as well. You got to be careful with it, but there's definitely uh, talent, and I. I think Yoshivas, that's a guy you got to keep developing. I, I know we kind of joked before the season that, you know, you kind of crown those guys because everybody likes them, but he showed a lot this year that he can be. I don't legit. disagree. I, yeah. I don't disagree. I think he could be in a, ma- a major role next year. I mean, uh, there, there's no question about that. But the point is, on so many of these guys, one thing I want to say, say here is they weren't asked, you know, Rasheed Rice. Is like the you're an example, a cautionary tale. Well, most of these guys were not asked to come in and be the man. Very you know, true. they're on teams that had dudes. Now, yep. LA might be the the one example just because Cooper Cup got hurt. Yeah. But I mean, they still had Cooper Cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was still plenty of other pieces there. You know, Detroit had dudes. Um, Buffalo, you know, had Stefan Diggs and had dudes, and they've got Kincaid in there now. Wicks, they had all those other guys you mentioned. I mean, so many of these teams, you don't, they don't have to come in and immediately be the guy, but they can quickly develop into that and supplant others or grow their role. And, and the Bengals have that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they might have that more than any other team that would be drafting someone in the first three rounds of asking someone to come in and be in the Tyler Boyd role. I mean, plug drop this year's Jaden Reed when the Bengals pick at 49 into that offense. Drop this year's Tank Dell when the Bengals pick in the third round into that offense. And they don't have to be something great immediately. They yeah. can just be an addition. And that stood out to me this weekend when you when you kind of look at how some of these teams are winning, how some of these offenses are really going, not being afraid to to have a rookie receiver or tight end be a large part of of what you've become is huge and it didn't always start that way with all these guys but they 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 were allowed to grow into those roles looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, Mo loves talking about rookie receivers. It's one of his favorite things to do. And it could really light up training camp this year with the calls that we would get. <laughs> I know you really would prefer, Mo, that they wait until round five or six, though, to draft some, like, maybe three receivers in rounds five and six so that we can all debate which one would be this year's Auden Tate, Andre Yoshivash uh, uh, caller to ESPN 1530 award. Well, even better is the undrafted undrafted free agent. I mean, that's in an ideal world. And the guy comes from like a like Lemoyne or some school that like nobody can point to on a map. Right. Like that's and Andre Yoshivash certainly was drafted this year. And by the way, looks like a legitimate NFL player, but came from Princeton. So that that was perfect. Right. Yes. Had he come from, I don't know, Washington State or Stanford or something like "Eh, that's one thing. I need a guy obscure school undrafted 
Um, not much of a pedigree. Almost like you get the you get that Dame Brugler beast. He's not even listed. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, there will be that guy. What is Kendrick Pryor up to? <laughs> Where's he, he at? Be listening to this podcast. Could be. No he idea. might. He might be a co-host soon. It could uh, be. <laughs> so there's. But there, I look forward to that, and I, I think we'll have plenty of young receivers to talk about as we get into that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, we started this conversation as you jump in here, Mo, talking about takeaways through the Bengals' lens this weekend. When you're you're watching these games, you're seeing. Uh, a lot. I I felt like there was a lot of things where I was having Bengals thoughts. I have many of them listed on this rundown here in front of me. Uh, just it, it, when you watch how teams are winning, the mm-hmm. the way things are unfolding, the AFC North performance. There's a lot there. What for you through a Bengals lens stood out the most as you as you watched games this weekend? I'm happier as a Bengals fan today than I would be if I was a Browns fan or a Steelers fan. You know, no I, uh, I I I said on Monday. You know, being a Browns fan the last month and a half has sort of been like being on vacation where, you know, you go for like two weeks and it's like a real vacation. You're off the grid and you don't check your email. You're not looking at your phone. You're not even posting on social like you are off the grid. You are enjoying this like fantasy land. But, you know, when it's over and you come back and now, especially if you're going on vacation this time, it's eight degrees out and the emails have piled up, and your boss has like three projects for you. Maybe it's not the the best analogy, but if you're a Browns fan, you could bathe yourself in this Joe Flacco story. Understanding it had an expiration that was likely going to look like it did on Saturday where he turns it over a bunch of times. And now, boy, you're back to trying to figure out, can we win with Deshaun Watson? And so far the answer has been, well, not because of Deshaun Watson. Now, they won games with him early in the season. Um, and, and also, why is that defense so pedestrian on the road? Like, for the last five or six weeks, I think if you're a Browns fan, you could sort of enjoy yourself in fantasy land here, the Flacco thing, and, boy, the defense is great as long as we're at home. But now the vacation's over, and you have yeah. to confront the fact that you've got an expensive quarterback that – we all still wonder if you can win with who is another year removed from his best year in 2020. And then from a Pittsburgh perspective, okay. Yep. Tom got his winning season and you were back in the playoffs and the Mason Rudolph thing was fun. You're still in quarterback purgatory. Uh, Mike Tomlin's walking out on press conferences. There's questions about his future. Meanwhile, here's what I think I can say about the Bengals. Joe Burrow is going to be healthy uh, at some point during training camp next year. And if I get him for 17 regular season games, now with a backup who I know is good, regardless of how all the other things unfold, and we, I think we would all agree, this is the most interesting and, and to a degree painful Bengals offseason that we've uh, had to confront in quite a while. But if at the end of all of it, you tell me, I get Joe for 17 games, this is a playoff team next year. I yeah. can't say that in Cleveland. I can't say that in Pittsburgh. No. Um, I think I have the extension of your Browns analogy here at okay. the vacation. I think the vacation is you're you're a teenager and and you go on this vacation, but you have divorced parents, okay? And <laughs> and you're you go with with you with your let's say your dad, okay? You go with your dad and and your br- a couple brothers or sisters, whatever you have it, and you're you're just off. It's you and and your dad. And you're you're away. You're maybe you're at Disneyland, or you're on the beach, and you're just, it's it's unbelievable. But when you go home, stepdad's there. You don't like him. You, you're forced to live with him. This, I have this to. Is this is really story. hitting home for me. I got to be honest with you. This this sounds almost <laughs> like you're you're telling my life story. I wasn't, I, I've I, lived I, this before. No, I didn't mean that. I'm not trying to to, <laughs> to do anything with Deshaun Watson being your your step. I'm just saying that like for Browns fans, has must feel like oh. Now we got to go back to trying to figure out if we're, how I'm going to feel rooting for this guy and make this yeah. thing work. I just I hate trying to make this work, and we're stuck making this work. Why can't we just get somebody who can do what Joe Flacco did, but isn't old, and yeah. and and make it just make me feel better about my life? And you can't because you are stuck. This is the house you live in. Okay, this mm-hmm. is this is who was brought in, and the, not leaving now. Loves your mom apparently. Uh, and it's not great for you and that, but that's, that's where the, I'm, I'm with you. I think that 
you are a hundred percent right that you if you're the Browns or the Steelers today, how do you feel good? Yeah. I mean, the Browns a little bit because they did they were finding ways to win with no matter who was at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, but there was some magic there. And I just the the other part of this is, and I'll get to the Steelers element here in a second, mm-hmm. is we talked about this. <laughs> winning the AFC North is not how you win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. Like winning right. by beating the crap out of each other and playing defense and running the ball is not how you win. The reason the Bengals have had success in the playoffs that no AFC North team has had in recent years is because they don't play like the AFC North. Mm-hmm. They play a game of open and passing and and crushing people with big gains, uh, throwing the ball. And and that is how you win. And I thought that stood out about this weekend as much as anything in football. Talk to me all you want to about defense. Talk to me all you want to about run game. Talk to me about how you win in January. No. Throw the ball. Be explosive throwing the ball. Those are the teams that win the end. Yeah, it's funny to me. The Browns lost to a team that a lot of people are comparing to the 2021 Bengals, both in terms of just feel and newness, but also roster composition and quarterback play. Now, you know, C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, Houston offensively was, frankly, better than anything we saw really from the Bengals in the 2021 postseason. But I think the parallels fit. And so I, I, I to me. In terms of just takeaways, you're right. You know, you lost to Cleveland specifically, loses to a team that doesn't really look like it's built to win the AFC North, but they look like they're built to be a contender in the AFC for a long time. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if they at least give a scare to the AFC North champion. Like that voice? Baltimore you, Ravens. That's how you have um, to talk about it. Yeah, sure. I, but I, I think there's, I, I think there's thing to that and again it's like the more things change the more things stay the same now I do think Kevin Stefanski should be the coach of the year and that's you know validation for him in Cleveland and okay he's the guy but beyond that we're going to spend the offseason and I'm sure they will in Cleveland too asking the same questions they were last offseason about Deshaun Watson and in Pittsburgh it feels like more of the same um you know we'll see what's going to happen with Mike Tomlin um but Okay, what's going to happen at quarterback? How do we unearth what we haven't been able to do offensively? And now with the building narrative of the Steelers sort of being, dare I say, having taken on this Marvin Lewis-esque feel Mm -hmm. where, boy, they're in the playoffs a lot. They've lost their last five playoff games by an average of, I think, what, 13.6 points? Mm -hmm. And that goes back over a long stretch of time now. Yes, Mike Tomlin has a ring, and he's going to Canton, and he's coaching multiple Super Bowls, and he's never had a losing season. But this is a long period of time where even if they have made the postseason, you don't take them really seriously as contenders. They've become the Atlanta Hawks of the NFL, <laughs> right? Where, where you know, they're, they're always kind of there, and you just kind of, okay, fine. Yeah, you got your you one, had another winning season, but you, but you don't take them seriously. What's going to happen for the Pittsburgh? What's going to have to happen for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be taken seriously as like bona fide AFC championship contenders? And I don't think it's far fetched to suggest that if the Bengals have a reasonably good offseason and Joe Burrow, we're going to do this again. Time is a flat circle as a, a somewhat normal training camp that we're going to say, you know what? The Bengals on top of whoever else it is, Kansas City, Buffalo, Houston, Maybe Miami, I don't know, maybe Jacksonville figures things out. Uh, I'm sure the, the hype train will be in full effect if Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. But the Bengals are going to be one of those teams that we say, you know what? Yeah, they can win it at the end. And I don't think we're going to say that about Pittsburgh at the end of this offseason. And I don't think we're going to say that about Cleveland at the end of this offseason because we don't know what Deshaun Watson is. And so to a large degree, we're going to be right back where we were at the end of last offseason, I think at the end of this offseason. And from a Bengals perspective, I don't think that's a bad place to be. No. Ask yourself this. If you're listening to this, I assume you're a Bengals fan. Or Ask yourself this. If, if you're you... not a Bengals fan and you're listening to this. No, I pre- then then you just appreciate good yeah, podcasting I, but journalism. But, but I'm curious as to the motivation, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> because you just in, you enjoy two dudes who are bald with great sense of humor. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and me. And you. That's right. We bring you in. Uh <laughs> But here's my thought. If you're a Bengals fan, you're listening to this, and you ask you this question. Mike Tomlin, if he, what would you rather hear the news be tomorrow? That he was fired 
or that he was brought back. Because if he's fired, let's just let's just say this in this world, that becomes the number one job. Because they don't fire coaches. You're going to get like a decade and a half. <laughs> right. Pittsburgh. Yes. They just, that's what it is. And they'll, and they'll hire anybody. They can go find an offense. They could hire Brian Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's say one of two things. They're going to fire Mike Tomlin or they're going to, and hire Brian Callahan, or they're going to continue to go forward with Mike Tomlin. What makes you feel better about having to compete against the Pittsburgh Steelers every year? Which, which scenario? Because, yeah. you know, the last six years, They've had two double-digit win seasons, two with positive point differential, one division title, and they're 0-2 in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They've had negative point differential for the last five seasons. I mean, this is not this 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 is not a scare. This is not a team that's become a scary franchise or something that you're that you're truly worried about, especially if you're playing on the level the Bengals have been the last couple of years. Which would you rather have, Mo? Like, what which, it, what news would you rather have? Run it back with Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's legitimately. Close. I don't think it's close. Run it back with Mike Tomlin and what you're doing at quarterback right now. Run it back with Mike Tomlin. You know, I mean, for 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 all that he has accomplished, I'm I'm looking at this not through the lens of playing them in an individual game. You know, anecdotally, week to week, playing Mike Tomlin teams is tough. I'm looking at this from a standpoint of I want there to be as few contenders as possible in the AFC. I think is currently constructed with the way they've been trending now for well over half a decade. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I can't take seriously as bona fide, legitimate AFC championship contenders in the Tomlin over the last decade. They've lost playoff games to the likes of Blake Bortles at home, Tim Tebow on the road. They've had playoff games where they have given up 45 points and 42 points. Uh, Last night, it looked like they were going to give up 38 points. Uh, offensively, despite all the weaponry they had in the last decade, they didn't get beyond an AFC championship game. And in that AFC championship game, they lost by nearly three touchdowns. Is all of this on Mike Tomlin? No, but it's been a while since you could look at that team and go Super Bowl contender. I think that about the Baltimore Ravens, of course you do this year. I probably will next season. I don't think that about the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is, is that solely a reflection of Mike Tomlin? Of course it isn't, but with him in charge, it has felt like for a while and was the case this year, the ceiling for that franchise was reasonably low. And again, say what you want about Zach Taylor and not to dismiss the significance of a lot of different things the Bengals have to get done this offseason. But if I get Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor next year, I think that ceiling's pretty damn high. Yep. Um, might not come to fruition the way I like, but I think that ceiling is pretty damn high. I don't think they could say that today in Pittsburgh, and I don't think they could say that next year if Mike Tomlin's back. Uh, you know, here's a couple of things. I, I give Mike Tomlin a quarterback, and you love you love him, right? Like, oh, sure, yeah, obviously. But he inherited Ben Roethlisberger, and mm-hmm. and in the job of having to replace him, has not done it in over half a day. Hasn't yeah. done it. Has no, hasn't if, found a if, way to properly do it, and not been good at putting OCs in place to develop or find one. And so mm-hmm. that combination is on him. The fact that they haven't had good quarterback play and that's doing them is on him because it you could see that train coming from a mile away like Ben Roethlisberger trying to run a 40 at you, okay? You knew you right. had to do that. They never did it properly and it landed on Kenny Pickett or whatever, and that's why they're in the situation that they're in, and that's why you, you, there's not a lot of faith in what he's doing there because he hasn't been able to have any semblance of feel for that position and that side of the ball when it comes to life after Ben. And it's been a long ass time where they've had to figure that out. Yeah. If I, if I airdrop CJ Stroud into the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin's the coach. Okay. Forget it. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Apply the move to a different division. So, and again, you know, there there's, there's respecting what he's accomplished and you know, his resume is awesome, but I think we're to the point where now the best thing you could say is, well, he never finishes with a losing record. Okay, cool. Marvin Lewis did that for five straight years and became a mm-hmm. national punchline. Yeah, you know, and 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 then there was a time where it felt like God for all that he has accomplished, which yes, pales in comparison to Mike Tomlin, but for all that he has accomplished, you know what? It's time to move on, and they did. And I just, I, I think it'd be interesting to listen to sports talk radio and podcasts like this in Pittsburgh because I would imagine that's a pretty divisive issue. But but again. 
it feels like the ceiling for that franchise is low uh, compared to what the ceiling should be for the Bengals next year if I get Joe B for 17 games. Yeah, and the other side of this, but one my last takeaway here, Mo, uh, uh, to wrap this is it, it touches on the Pittsburgh thing, but also direct look at Philly, and that is the co- value of quality coordinators and understanding that it's just not easy to just – find somebody and and put them in there. What's happened to Philly where Nick Sirianni lost all control. You lose your coordinators. It costs you. We said at the beginning of the year, I, I didn't, I, nobody could have expected it to catch up with him in the way that it did in, in the way that it, un, un, you know, unraveled there. And then obviously the struggles that Pittsburgh had with Matt Canada in place and, and mm-hmm. the problems that it caused. And I take that back to the we'll see what happens with Brian Callahan discussion. But the fact that they feel like they the Bengals have a line of succession in place to put Dan Pitcher in there, and and you don't know how that will well will go. I mean, you think probably well. He's got a lot in his favor um, if that is the case. But the fact that they have had this continuity at coordinator and and they have a potential succession plan there that has familiarity with Burrow and everything they do is a huge advantage for them to not have some of the issues and the unraveling that you see when you're in the coordinator replacement game because it becomes an easy Mm -hmm. fall guy and you can see things go sideways so quickly. Yeah, you know, I remember 10 years ago, the Bengals replaced both coordinators and they won 10 games, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, won 10 games. Yeah, in 2014, Uh, yeah. Went 10-5-1, and right? And I remember at the time, you know, they lost to the Colts and had, you know, they were grabbing dudes off off I-74 to play wide receiver in that playoff game. And, and you know, swinging it back to Marvin Lewis for a second, I remember saying, like, this was a great coaching job. He, mm-hmm. He's got a quarterback who's a, a B at best, two new coordinators, and they went into week 17 with a chance to win the division. That's a great coaching job. And, yeah, everybody fixates on the, the postseason result and fine, but – that's a great coaching job. And I remember saying like, let's, let's go and look at the history of over the last, whatever it is, 15, 25 years of how many teams lost both coordinators and were better the following season. And 10 years later, I have yet to do that research. Um, (laughs) But I think it would be interesting. I don't know. It may have happened 20 times in the history of the NFL going back to 1980. It may have happened four times. I, I don't know. But how often does something like that happen where you lose uh, both coordinators off the top of my head. I'm guessing Dallas in the nineties lost Turner and Wanstead in the same off season, but I could be dead wrong about that. How many times has that happened where the team was better or as good record wise the following year? And again, I, I I'm, I'm asking rhetorically. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to do the research. Let's be yes. honest, but, but it, it's succession plan is so much a part of a true quality sure. succession plan. Hugh sure. Jackson and Paul Gunther coming in and taking over was a big part of the fact that they were yeah. able to withstand that and having that in place. People that had been there for the duration with that quarterback, with that mm-hmm. personnel understood the issues at play and weren't dropping somebody in from the outside and things like that. Now, granted Philly it, tried it, that but, too, and it doesn't always work. But I even remember with the Bengals, you and I talking about like, yeah, there were some hiccups. They they got through it, but but there are, there inevitably are going to be hiccups. You know, there's a system change. There's just there were hiccups, and yet they still survived. And but I remember just thinking like, their success and and their failure both to me illustrated how good of a job Marvin did, how good the organization did in having a succession succession plan. But also, it's it's really hard to do that. And what the Eagles went through this year. Uh, certainly toward the end of the season, which, you know, let's be honest, a, a lot of people who are into advanced analytical study told us this was going to happen with the Eagles back in October. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, a, a lot of, despite yeah. a lot of problems happening. Under I mean, the there, there were yeah. a lot of folks who said, look, if you're wrapped up in the result and want to talk about nothing but the result, awesome. But if you really do a deep dive into how they're achieving these results, this isn't sustainable. And boy, those people should take a victory lap um, because the Eagles down the, down the stretch were miserable. They were awful. Yes. Against Tampa Bay. No doubt. Um, I'll give you one last chance before we go. Jason Kelsey retiring today. Do you have any good Jason Kelsey story? I, I assume that you probably do just as much time as you spend around him and, and know of what he did at UC. Do you have a good Jason Kelsey story? I don't know if it's a, a story per se, but the, the anecdote that I will share is and he was you know what a what a cool story. He was a walk on running back slash linebacker, which means they really didn't know what to do with him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he was the 191st overall pick in the draft, and he's going to go to Canton on his first appearance <laughs> on the ballot. But what I think of more than anything, during the chaos that was New Orleans leading up to the Sugar Bowl, <laughs> when Jeff Quinn was the interim coach, all hell was breaking loose, right? It just, it, it, it you know, I, I to, to borrow a phrase, the inmates were running the asylum. So yes. <laughs> the guy that I saw out most was Jason Kelsey. <laughs> Not doing anything wrong by any stretch of the imagination. But the guy that I saw out most, I've said this to Tony Pike a billion times, the, the guy that I saw just, every, you know, every night, well, okay, there's there's Jason Kelsey. Uh, he's, he's gearing up for the game. Um, we had him on our show, uh, I think, the year after he was drafted, after his rookie season. I don't recall what the specific angle was other than we're having Jason Kelsey on. And he was um, – he was awesome. He was awesome with yeah. us. He's a terrific podcaster. He's had a great career, and, and uh, he's going to go to to the Hall of Fame, which is, which is uh, awesome. And uh, by then, his brother will be married to Taylor Swift, and then <laughs> keep showing. Can I, can I just, can I just talk about that real quick? Yeah, of course. Okay. I hoped you would. Game was on Peacock the other night. Mm-hmm. I don't subscribe to Peacock. No. And I wanted to watch the UC Bearcat game. So I went to an establishment that had Peacock in the Bearcat game. Peacock shows Taylor Swift. Whole plays booze. And then invariably, I don't care. I'm, I, you know, what that doesn't bother me. Uh, folks are sounding off on how, like, all they do is show Taylor Swift. And I've heard this a lot. And I just want to say this. And, you know, maybe you're a, you're a little bit younger than me. I grew up watching NBA basketball in the 80s which means the Showtime Lakers were in the finals every year, 85, 87, 88, 89. And they were on CBS in the regular season once NFL coverage stopped every weekend. And Magic Johnson could throw a bounce pass to Michael Cooper for a lay-in to make it 8-4, and they'd show Jack Nicholson. And then <laughs> three possessions later, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would make a sky hook and they would show Diane Cannon. To this day, I couldn't name for you one thing Diane Cannon was in. <laughs> but nonstop as a kid, I remember Jack Nicholson, Diane Cannon, Lakers game because they're famous. In the 90s, huge NBA fan. Madonna's dating half the NBA. And if you remember, <laughs> there was this time where Madonna was showing up at NBA games like four times a week. She was at more NBA games than like game officials. And, and, and like random NBA games, like it's, uh, you know, Pistons versus Pacers on a Tuesday night, right? And a play would be made in the game and got to get Madonna's reaction to it, right? Fine. And then Madonna starts, you know, her and Dennis Rodman. And then so Madonna's going to the, and then there's Madonna. And, and Madonna at the time was one of the most famous people on the planet, much like Taylor Swift is. Now, my point is this. Our fascination with celebrity is so longstanding that when really famous people go to sporting events, like Eminem the other night, nobody complained that Eminem was shown three times within a five-minute stretch, and fine, that's awesome. He's a Detroit guy, eight mile. It was awesome. Our fascination with celebrity is not a new thing. And no. showing really famous people at sporting events, not a new thing. And when really famous people are dating one of the main participants, not the, the long snapper, not some rando punt team gunner, like the also soon to be Hall of Fame tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. She's going to be shown on television. This happened all the time growing up, and we didn't complain. But since we have collectively decided to lose our minds about everything, now this is a big deal. And I just had to get that off my chest. Yes. Thank you for the forum. I'm glad you chose here. And this is why people that aren't Bengals fans listen to this podcast, because that's <laughs> the rant that they have wanted. I will, I will add to this. You as a Nick fan, no more than anyone, anytime oh. a call does not go the direction of the New York Knicks, one Correct. thing and one thing only happens inside Madison Square Garden. Spike Lee, arms out, mouth agape, ready to yell at the official every single time. Still happens, has been happening for 30 years. Ashley Judd at Kentucky games for a long <laughs> stretch of time. I mean, it, it like they would... Anthony Davis scores to make it 11 to six. There is Ashley Judd. By the way, I will never complain about Ashley Judd being on my television at all. 
No, no. it's not. But we, we've done this for years. But now we're pretending that NBC and Peacock are just new to Tony Dungy's talking about disenchanted NFL fans. Only thing I've ever been disenchanted with Tony Dungy's when he called that game and sounded like he was half asleep without Michaels when Jacksonville played Los Angeles last year. Uh, <laughs> this is not a new phenomenon. It's happened forever and will continue to stop losing your mind over Taylor Swift. I don't know if she's going to go to the game in Buffalo, but if she does, she's going to be shown and it's fine because this is what we've done forever. Please, please show me the hotel that Taylor Swift is staying in in Buffalo. <laughs> Having tried to get lodging in Buffalo, let me tell you, I'm I'm here for her kayak search. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mo, appreciate your time. As always, I will uh, see you this afternoon on ESPN 1530. I can't wait. Thanks. See you guys. All right, bye. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mo Egger, ESPN 1530, always here to bring you everything that you need uh, in, in your day. You know, we can localize the celebrity thing. Remember the Bill Murray at Xavier Games for a Oh, while. wow. Yeah. A lot and I of believe every place I worked, there would be a new boss at some point. I believe this happened at The Athletic as well that would find that out after it's been reported here seven million times mm-hmm. and then lose their minds and you had to start over again and hey, there's Bill Murray watching his son assistant coach a basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Let's write about it. Uh... Now, real quick, what? how did you guys not talk about the Peruvian alien situation where it yeah. was shown that it was fake? Is that is that how we're doing this? Or are we just ignoring it when it's... I, I prefer when it's a little bit more concrete <laughs> that we know that aliens are around rather than to for sure dive in when they're I being think discredited. There needs to be a debunking portion of the show. Maybe this could be your role, Dave. You come in, Dave <laughs> debunks debunk. aliens. <laughs> Is is the segment that happens after Mo gets done every week. I think with my cynicism, I could be good at that segment. <laughs> Debunking Dave, they'll start calling you. Hey, it's better than stepdad. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've drawn that Although, line to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I the reason uh, I felt most bad about that analogy was I know that we had referenced yeah. you as a stepdad before. Now, suddenly, and I don't I'm, feel that way about you. Yeah. You're Suddenly different I, than the I'm other guy. Sean Watson of no, this podcast. I, I see where I stand. <laughs> I would never. I would never. I did not. I want that clear. Um, I do want to point out, shout out to 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 tie, tie some loose ends from a previous yeah. uh episode. Shout out to uh Philip Bauman, who wanted to help us out with our conversation. Uh, about one Michael Winslow from Police Academy. We were trying to place and 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 put that whole thing together on the fly. And as we do, we were a little sloppy with it, uh, not knowing <laughs> we were going there. But he said, as a, in an effort to clear up the confusion on a recent HTPG about the guy from Police Academy who did all the vocal sound effects, here he is doing Led Zeppelin, raising the question, is Michael Winslow the Joe Burrow of this specific talent? I, first of all, if you have a chance to look it up, you can look up Michael Winslow uh, and whole lot of love, and and you you will be amazed at, at what he does. Yeah. It is it is incredible. And yes, I mean I don't know who else has it would be if Joe Burrow was playing in the UFL, okay? Because I don't <laughs> know who else is even has this talent. Outside of, I guess, I'm not even counting beatboxers. They don't count because he does everything else way more. Yeah. 
It's like a whole different game. So if Joe Burrow were in the UFL, that would be what Michael Winslow is to making sounds into a microphone. Are you with he's me on great, this one? He's the goat. He's the goat. He is. We knew that, goat. but it was great to get that clarity and an example of it. I apologize because I confused Bubba Smith and Two Tall Jones on that conversation. I realized <laughs> that later, and it, it it about killed me. Like, yeah, oh, it was Bubba. So, but uh, this is my request. If anybody knows Michael Winslow's publicist, Ooh. Uh, would love to have Michael Winslow on HTPG. That would be amazing, and have him just make sounds of football players. Or something. I'm down for whatever. Whatever yeah. he wants to make sounds of into a microphone, I'm here for. <laughs> 100%. Yes, for an entire episode. How much better yeah. would that be than listening to me and you talk about, like... I mean, in fairness, killers. that would be better than everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can say it'd be better than us talking, but it would be better than most things, so... Yeah, no question. Yeah. Let's make that happen. All right, Michael Winslow officially on the guest list going forward for what we need. Um do we do you want to drop in any predictions for this weekend, Dave? Are you feeling it? Do you have any gut feels? I know you're really excited that the Packers continue to move on. Uh, because that keeps your your season <laughs> of of not getting uh, all the off days you'd like to sneak in. in and uh, I, you have you Matt know, Schneiderman, normally, who does a great job for us recovering Green Bay on under your your watch. I normally would say I would assume the Niners will roll them, but good God, mm-hmm. Green Bay looks fantastic right now i do think their defense is still the, the weak point and i think san francisco will beat them but i wouldn't be sh- stunned if the packers pull that one off the jordan love looks next jordan, level. jordan love on a 2012 flacco like heater right now yeah. too i mean where it's just like I, I hope this for his sake and and for all those that took shots over the last three years i hope this is like who jordan love is yeah, but if it's just a heater, then whoo boy, is it a hell of a one? I, I I'm here for it. I'm here. Yeah. I'm. I, I think this is my favorite sports weekend of the year. I love divisional weekend. I love it more than the Super Bowl. I love it more than the conference championship. I think it's the best matchups. You get four of them over the course of the whole weekend. I I this is my absolute favorite weekend. So do you have a, Do you have any other? Sorry, I kind of interrupted you there. For good. No, I I I think Baltimore wins. Um, I think this feels just right for them this year. Yep. And I, I just have a feeling Kansas City's going to win and we uh, got to deal with them again just because I don't really want them to. <laughs> just because I always feel like the worst of what I want happens. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Like, just yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then Perfectly I go, pessimistic. I'd go Niners in Detroit. I yep. think uh, Tampa looked great last night, but they're playing a very – no one wants to. No one wants to go to Detroit right now. No, that is a buzz no. saw. That place is yeah. going to be a buzz saw. Forget it. And that was the that was the best game of the weekend. Detroit and oh, Rams. Yeah. And for the for Detroit to come out of that, I I think they they probably roll over Tampa. You? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I I wouldn't like anyone going into Detroit now confident, and you know that atmosphere is going to be off the charts. Um, you know, they've got, again, when, when Mo was referencing earlier, the 2021 Bengals vibes, I remember specifically the talk there of, boy, if, if they got that first one and got the long monkey off their back, it's this Mm -hmm. freeing now go kill it feeling that was part of what they unleashed in Tennessee and Kansas city that came next. Um, and so I, I would not, I feel like Baker Mayfield is going to, going to. Put him in a body bag. He's gonna leave. <laughs> gonna leave in a body bag on that one. It just feels like Detroit is no place anyone wants to go right now. That if I was ranking one through four, my confidence in results this weekend, I would start with Detroit beating Tampa Bay. Yeah. I I feel great about that. I cannot believe the Houston Baltimore line is nine and a half. Houston yeah. has everything that says this team can win in the playoffs. They have the Nobody believes in us. They have the quarterback who is awesome. CJ, yeah. I mean, who can go in there and beat anybody, make plays, overcome whatever you're trying to do to them. Um, they're already on house money, and they're going to a Baltimore team that has all the pressure on them. We talked about this last week, Dave. This was the scenario that is frightening for the Baltimore Ravens to me. 
I think the Ravens would rather have Buffalo or Kansas City come into their house right now than than Houston, who has nothing to lose, and the quarterback who is a real dude, um, and they are confident as all can can be. A, a team that the Baltimore's not super familiar with. Yeah, I just. I'm telling now. Now a lot of teams go and play Baltimore the first time, and they're not used to what Baltimore does to you. We saw yeah. that happen some this year when Detroit and Seattle went in there, and they were really surprised by just the different brand of football compared with Lamar, who's when you're playing him kind of for the first time, it's very different. Um, that they have that going for them. That said, I this is scary nine and a half is a huge number. I would never. I would be betting the farm. Um, on the value there with Houston on a money line. Uh, not that I'm into such things, but if I was. <laughs> and Houston to win the AFC, I saw it plus 3,300. If they beat, if they yeah. pull this one off, why wouldn't you like them to beat Buffalo or Kansas City potentially? And and, and at that value, the other three yeah. teams were all pretty high. I just thought from a pure value perspective, hammer me plus 3,300 Houston. I mean, if yeah. you're just talking about making money. Because there's nothing about Buffalo or Kansas City that looks like world beaters even now. Not if you go into Baltimore and win. Right, right. Especially. So uh, I I think that's scary. I still think Baltimore wins, though, just because I'm with you. I, I think the Lamar factor and what they've done offensively does separate them, and, and, and the surprise factor can help them. But I that is a scary scene for the Ravens, who yeah. probably wanted to feel like they were in a little bit better spot uh, with this game. Um I I don't I still think Kansas City's flawed. I still think Buffalo wins. I think we get Buffalo Baltimore. I think those have been the two best teams in the AFC for over a month. Um and and we get the teams that we deserve to get. I I I'm with you. I think San Francisco and Detroit uh ends up and and I look forward one of my favorite things to do every year, Dave, is to do a deep look at the four teams that make it to the conference championship and compare them, find trends over the year. I look forward to doing that. We'll do some of that next week. Uh, here when we kind of talk about the way they're constructed, how they were constructed, how they got there, um, and and kind of dive into that a little bit. If you're ta- if it is San Francisco, I will tell you, uh, Zach Taylor mentions San Francisco more than any other team when he discusses how he views the Bengals franchise in terms mm-hmm. of sustainability, in terms of how they build things, in terms of you know you have the one off year. Uh, where they had an injury at quarterback and came right back and and won a bunch of games were on the brink of the Super Bowl win Super Bowl. I mean that he talks about them a lot in that same regard. I think they view themselves in a very similar lens. And so San Francisco continuing to be in that spot. If you're you know talking about how they follow the path that they follow, how they view themselves, um, would be a good thing if you're if you're looking for that as a Bengals fan. But yeah, as we've but- established, there's not all Bengals fans listening to this. It's true. San Francisco's <laughs> also got a six-round rookie quarterback that's not costing them any money right now. So there's no that big difference. But uh, no question, no if question. The Super Bowl, they're going to have to pay him in some. Point they will have to pay him, and then we'll see if they can sustain at that. Mm-hmm. Point. Well, they were paying Garoppolo. I mean, true. That is so, true. I mean, it was it was on the books, and they also yeah. botched a top five pick for a quarterback. So they've had plenty to screw with at the quarterback <laughs> position and found ways to still win. Um, all right. Much fun as always, Dave. Appreciate uh, the time and uh, we will we'll keep it cooking. We'll be back next week. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the conference championship games and, and obviously more will be happening on Callahan Watch Day 11 as we uh, <laughs> move forward with where that goes. and Much, much more. Keep it locked to the athletic. More content coming your way. There's about 8 million words on the site from last week if you're interested in uh, (laughs) off-season look-ahead content. So plenty of there for you to still sift through. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.